Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 our, that our citizenship is in heaven. What an important reminder for us every day. Our citizenship is in heaven. So often we get caught up in this moment, this life, this struggle, this world. But the Christian belongs to another country. We are citizens of God's kingdom more than we belong to any nation on this earth. And scripture teaches us to look beyond this life, to look to the Lord our God, seated on his throne, setting our mind on things above, putting our treasures in heaven. And with these things in mind, I want to begin a a series entitled Living in Light of Eternity. And we're just going to take four weeks to just to begin to help us to see, to, uh, to look beyond our circumstances, beyond this world and into the world to come as we look to our Lord in all things in light. And our topic this morning is, uh, what is heaven? This is going to be a sketch and an overview that the Bible talks a lot about heaven. But I trust that it will be rewarding as we think about this topic. So what is heaven? Well, first, I think it's helpful to, to consider the, the, uh, the ways that the word heaven is used in the Bible. The word heaven is used in it. Sometimes it refers to the atmospheric heavens, the sky above. We read in the Psalms and uh, or in, in a place like Genesis chapter eight, the window of heaven opened, and the rains fell and flooded the earth. So sometimes the word heaven is used to speak of the sky. Above. Other times, the word heaven is used to refer to the interstellar heavens, the place of the stars. We read in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. And David goes on to say that uh, the, the stars and the sun, they are in the heavens. But the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament also speak of heaven most often in the terms of the dwelling place of God. Sometimes even uses the term heaven of heavens. Solomon expresses this in in his prayer at the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8. He's praying to the Lord God. And this was a place that the Lord was going to come and to reveal himself in a special way in the temple. And this is what he prays in verse 27 of 1 Kings chapter 8. First, he acknowledges God cannot be contained by anything. In verse 27, he says, Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built. 
So he's acknowledging that God is greater and God is higher than even the heavens. Yet, though God cannot be contained, Solomon goes on to describe heaven as the dwelling place of God. And we see this in 1 Kings 8 and verse 30 and verse 39 and again in verse 43 and 49 also. So Scripture speaks of heaven as the dwelling place of God. Scripture also speaks of heaven as the throne, where the throne of God is. Psalm 11 verse 4 says, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, His eyelids test the children of man. Isaiah 66 1 also echoes this thought. And says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So these verses and, and many others teach us that heaven is the dwelling place of God. We, we, we know from the prayer of Solomon and other places, the temple can't contain God. The earth cannot contain God. The highest heaven cannot contain God. Outer space can't contain God. And yet... God reveals to us in the scriptures that heaven is the place from which his presence and his rule is manifested. That is a word that means to be revealed. It's made known most fully. So we know that God is everywhere, that no matter where you go, whether you go to the uttermost parts of the sea or to the heights of the heavens or to the place of the dead, you cannot escape the Lord God. He is he's in all places. He is everywhere present. But the Bible also speaks of God, especially revealing himself, making known his presence to specific people in specific places at different times. And most especially in the Bible, we see that heaven is referred to as the dwelling place of God, the place that he makes himself known. And so the scriptures will speak of Jesus as coming down from heaven and that he ascended to heaven and is seated now at the right hand of God in the heavenlies. So when Paul says our citizenship is in heaven, he's referring to the dwelling place of God on high not of this world, not of this earth. Our citizenship is where God is. That's the country that we belong to. And what does the scriptures teach us about God's dwelling place? So we, we, may know, we know that what is heaven? It is the dwelling place of God. We might say, now, what is heaven like? What do the scriptures teach us? about God and His presence. We find that in heaven there is no wickedness. For as Psalm chapter 5 and verse 4 says, You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. In heaven, the heavenly hosts sing, Holy, 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 over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
For God is totally pure and perfect in every way. Scriptures also teach us that in heaven the dead in Christ shall be with the Lord. You may recall, as Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14. Through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And the Bible uses the term fallen asleep as a picture of death because we, the Bible teaches that because Christ was raised, we also shall be raised to life. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. There's so many things that come to mind when I think of what is heaven like and what the scriptures teach us. C.S. Lewis summed up the Bible's descriptions of heaven in five categories. And I'll just briefly mention them. He said that we shall be with Christ. This is the crowning uh, glory of the believer, that we shall be with Christ in his presence. That's the focus of heaven. You know, if if we read about heaven in the word of God and we and we get anything other than the picture that God is at the center, that he is the holy one, that he is the one worthy of all praise. He is the one being worshiped and glorified and honored. Then we have missed the point. The glory of the believer is that we shall be with God, the Holy One, the Great One. Secondly, we could say that in heaven we shall have glory. And the Bible uses a lot of different metaphors and ways of saying that. We shall be glorified. We shall be glorified. Made like him. C.S. Lewis' fourth point is that we shall in some sense be fed or feasted or entertained. And I thought about that word, uh, entertained. We, We have a bad connotation of that word nowadays. And I was kind of a little bit disturbed, but he said, you'll be able to eat all you want and never throw up. And that was the point of heaven. 
I'm sure he said he said other things, but I couldn't get past that point. Scripture tells us that we will enjoy what is in store with us, that eternal pleasures are at the right hand of God. They're not defined by the sorts of things that that will be just about pleasing us and our our desires and our lusts. We look forward to being like the Lord and having pure desires and longing to be with him and to serve him above all. But it will be a joyous time. And I think that is the main point of of many of the images of the Bible, feasting and a banquet and the marriage supper of the lamb. And also we see scripture indicate some kind of positions in heaven. The Bible speaks of ruling cities and judging angels. In the Revelation 22 verse 5 says we shall reign with him. And so while we don't know the details of how does that work and we may wonder. There is the the joy of looking forward to serving the Lord reigning with him for all eternity. I'll just uh, read through those again in case you wanted to write them down or remember. We shall be with Christ, number one. We shall have glory. We shall be like him. We shall in some sense be fed or feasted or entertained. And we shall have some sort of position in the universe. So we've seen that heaven is a holy place, that heaven is the place where those who have died in Christ, who have trusted in him, shall be with the Lord. This shall be a wonderful place where we shall be with him. And uh, lastly, I want to point out from the scriptures that in heaven, the saints rejoice together with all the heavenly hosts. I love the description of heaven in Revelation chapter 7. And in verse 9, John looks and he says, Behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from every tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Further on, one of the elders speaks to John and and says that these are the saints coming out of the great tribulation whose robes were washed white in the blood of the Lamb. What a wonderful picture. So too are all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world and now reigns on high. Scripture says that it is the blood of Jesus and what He has done on the cross that alone can cleanse us from sin. And those who are cleansed are clothed in righteous 
garments. It's a, a figure of speech. And shall praise the Lord together. A multitude from all over the world. The elder goes on to say, I believe it's verse 12, but I, I didn't write it down. Therefore, they are uh, before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, and He will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a wonderful hope. In the presence of God, serving Him, Sheltered, protected by his own presence. And you know, we're protected. We are in uh, the presence of God as believers. We, we, um, the Spirit lives in us. But I can't help but think about how much greater it shall be when we shall be sheltered in the arms of the Father in heaven. For it says that we shall not even hunger or thirst any longer. There will be no more cause for sorrow. We shall be comforted by the Lamb who is also our shepherd and who leads us and guides us on the way home. So we see that heaven is God's dwelling place where his throne is. In heaven, God's presence and rule is made known before all the heavenly hosts and the saints who have died are there with the Lord where they will enjoy him forever. So this is what heaven is and Having said all of this, I want to be uh, clear about something. Because as Christians, a lot of times I hear, and I myself say it sometimes, we speak about living with God in heaven forever. But in fact, the Bible teaches us something far more extraordinary than that. The Bible doesn't teach that we're going to be up somewhere in the clouds for, for all eternity, but says that there shall be a new heaven, new heavens and a new earth, an entirely renewed creation where we will live with God. When we think of the scope of history, the universe from creation to a new creation. And Revelation 21 and verse 2 speaks of the new Jerusalem, the city of God coming down from heaven so that heaven and earth are joined together in the new, this new creation. Heaven and earth are not separated any longer, but God's dwelling shall be on the new earth with his people. This is repeated 
several times in the final chapters of the Bible. God will be with His people. He shall be their God and they shall be His people. This was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 65 and 66. It describes this in wonderful, beautiful, symbolic language. Peter refers to it also in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. That we look forward to a new heavens and a new earth. So scripture teaches us that heaven is the dwelling place of God the place that He makes Himself known most fully. Scripture teaches us that the present heaven is not our final destination, but it is an intermediate place where the people of God dwell in His presence until the new heavens and earth are prepared for us. Heaven in its ultimate and greatest sense as we look forward to that day. So we've looked at the scriptures regarding what is heaven. And now we'll take a few moments and I want to just survey the theme of heaven in the Bible. I love how with scripture we can see all the way through the many themes of God's and his grace and his presence. And so just to paint a picture and remind us of how we see uh, heaven in the word of God. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the God who made the heavens and the earth, whose throne is in heaven, dwelt with mankind. Heaven and earth were united. And God's people, those whom he had created, lived with him. But it wasn't long before sin destroyed that. We read in Genesis chapter 3 that mankind wanted their own way. They believed the lie that they might be like God and equal to God in some way. Um, and so they were banished from the garden unable to dwell with a holy God, for they had broken his trust and rebelled against him. But the God who made the heavens and the earth and whose throne is in heaven did not abandon his creation. Instead, he made a way for his presence to be with humanity, and he promised a day, even back in Genesis chapter 3, when he would restore what was lost when the serpent's head would be crushed by a seed of the woman. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham and he went with Abraham as Abraham by faith went to the land that God had promised to him. And many years later, in the book of Exodus, God lived among Abraham's descendants In a tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness, his presence was with the people in their midst. And the tent was inscribed with beautiful symbols that picture the beauty and glory of God. 
Reminders of the Garden of Eden and of the throne room of, of God. But not just anyone could enter. One still needed to be holy, and only the priests were set apart to enter the holy place. And even they did not enter the most holy place, the inner part of the tabernacle. The high priest entered the most holy place once a year on the Day of Atonement to atone for the people's sins. Later, the tabernacle would be replaced by the temple in God's chosen city, Jerusalem. We remember this is where Solomon made his prayer and said, even this, this temple, it cannot contain you. For as much as God made himself known in the tabernacle and in the temple, these things only prefigure for us, foreshadow God's coming to dwell bodily among us in Jesus. And we read in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. The presence of God was among people. Kingdom of God came down to heaven or came down from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus. Didn't turn out quite the way the people of God had imagined. The king died for his people. He atoned for their sins. And more than that, in Hebrews chapter 9, the very end of the chapter, we're told Jesus entered into heaven itself. He was a holy high priest and the sacrifice and he came and he offered there the sacrifice of his own blood to put away sin and bring salvation on our behalf. So that because of his death and his resurrection, we who are imperfect might dwell again with a holy God. Being made perfect, not by works of righteousness or anything that we could accomplish in our strength or with our great our wisdom which is so small but through the blood of Jesus Christ and those who believe in him by grace through faith who accept what is a gift only a gift to be received by faith those who believe in him are promised eternal life, exalted in the heavenlies. And Ephesians chapter 2, where we have that famous verse, by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, but a gift of God, uh, that no one may boast, speaks of being seated even now in the heavenlies. In position, though we are not there in person, Yet the Lord is there, and because He is there, we shall one day be there with Him in glory. So that we have been given the Spirit of God to dwell with us. Paul speaks of, of our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. 
In Hebrews 4, we are given access to the throne room of heaven. That we might bring our requests to the Lord and have assurance and confidence. We have the hope through Jesus that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that one day the Lord will return and we will be resurrected to live with him in the new heavens and the new earth where God will dwell with his people forever. All because of Jesus Christ who made known God and his presence fully in his person that we might enter fully into the presence of God and be with him in glory. And being made perfect by Jesus Christ alone, Scripture indicates we will live as God intended Adam and Eve to live in the Garden of Eden. Taking care of the world that God has made, just think about it. Without the pain and suffering and tears and sin of this world, to again dwell with God. Because of Jesus Christ. This is the, the hope of the gospel, the good news. And we thank the Lord. So just to re review very briefly, what is heaven? In a nutshell, it is the dwelling place of God. And it is through Jesus Christ alone that we may enter into his presence uh, and in the day of judgment that God might uh, receive us because of the Lord Jesus Christ, having been made perfect by his blood. Why does all this matter? I mean, all this talk of heaven isn't going to put any food on the table. <laughs> matters because as Psalm 1611 says you've made known to me the path of life where is it headed what is the sum of what matters the psalmist writes in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore you know, we may not grasp all of the fullness of what heaven will be like. But heaven ought to be the saints greatest delight. Because it is the place where God dwells with his people. It is where our inheritance is. It is where our citizenship is. It is where our God is. And so we await the day that we shall be home with the Lord. And ultimately, that great and blessed day when we shall be raised up in glory to live with him forever. That day when we shall see his face as Revelation promises us in the very last chapter of the word of God, 
We shall see his face and we shall reign with him forever. Revelation 22 verses 4 and 5. When we look into the face of our Lord, we will see there the fulfillment of all that is good, that is desirable, that is right in this world. We will see as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 73 and verse 24. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me in glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail and they do. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Such a realization about the Lord and such a longing for heaven changes how we look at the world around us and the circumstances around us. This world is temporary. This life is fleeting. It's like a morning mist, says the the writer of Ecclesiastes. But God is the strength of my whole being and my inheritance forever. Over the next three weeks, we'll be opening up the scriptures to begin to see anew this longing for heaven, this longing for the Lord himself and how that gives us the perspective to grow in our walk with the Lord the perspective to to love him and not this world. And the perspective to to even be able to suffer and go through difficult things. With hope because of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. In short, when our focus is on heaven, when our focus is on being in the presence of God, our eyes are open to the thing that matters most. One thing I ask, and I will see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. May that be our desire. Heaven is the dwelling place of God, and it is the saint's delight to be with him and to enjoy his presence forever. Amen.